I think the first thing we need to do is just establish exactly what does Judaism actually say about homosexuality. Uh, because I feel like um, a lot of people, when they talk about this or when they, uh, when they uh, address this issue, they kind of uh, are a little bit unfair in how they try to maneuver uh, or use some sort of uh, chicanery to try to avoid the issue. Because it seems like we're having a discussion, there's, there's some sort of conflict with the way Torah or the way Judaism traditionally has viewed this issue and what society today in our country last week decided about the issue. I think that, 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 that's, that's clear. So, but, you know, but there have been attempts to try to pervert or corrupt what the Torah says and kind of shoehorn that in uh, with what you know, society accepts and therefore to avoid the problem uh, in its entirety. We're going to talk about the problem because there is a problem. There is a conflict. Um, but I think that you know, just a little, a little pet peeve of mine, it's very important when we study Torah to not say, oh, this is what I want the Torah to say, and therefore I'm going to find a way to shoehorn what I want into the Torah. You know, I have a desired outcome, and therefore, in order to reach that outcome, I'm not going to be uh, impartial and actually take the information and try to see what it really says. I'm going to say, I want the end to be like that, and therefore I can manipulate and twist and turn and use uh, you know, uh, textual and uh, uh, mental gyrations and machinations to try to make that the, the goal. We're not going to do that. Uh, but unfortunately, in, in this area, uh, especially because it's such a hot button topic and it's, so, it's such a, a sensitive and topic for a lot of people, uh, people like to try to avoid the conflict by saying, well, when the Torah says that a man doesn't sleep with a man, like a woman, it means, uh, well, either means, well, that was for the time. Or it means don't treat him like a woman, but treat him like a man. Something like that, which, which is an egregious misrepresentation of what the Torah says. Uh, the Torah makes it absolutely clear. Uh, if you look at the Talmud, it's abundantly clear. It's not, it's, it's not fair to try to take that angle of the discussion. It's not, it's not, it's not a genuine approach to the issue. Uh, the Torah is absolutely clear that it, uh, it, is, not, uh, it is against Torah law to, uh, you know, for a man and a man to sleep with each other. Interestingly, in our society, uh, homosexuality is all lumped together. Uh, in Torah, it says nothing about a woman and a woman. Absolutely nothing. Uh, in the Torah itself, it is mentioned, it is mentioned in some books like the Rambam, Maimonides, in his book of Jewish law, he says, well, it, he, he says it's, it's not recommended, you know. But it, it's it's in no way uh, on, on the same level. So we talked today about homosexual, you know, homosexuality and gay marriage. It's all lumped together. In the Torah, it's very, very it's very much not so. Wait, I also have another question. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, since we live in America, mm-hmm. not Israel. Yes. Majority aren't Jews. So is that a Jewish law? Because I don't. Yeah, so, so the, one of the questions we have to ask is, okay, once we know what the Jewish law is, how does that frame what we think or what we should think or how we should, in what position we should take on the U.S. law? The U.S. is not Israel. It's not run by Torah law, so why should it even matter? You know? uh, so, there's, so I think there's a legislative issue, so to speak. Uh, there's some ethical issues, maybe. You know, is it fair? Is it, is it ethical to tell someone? I mean, that, that, that's one of the issues. Um, and additionally, uh, I think the third major issue that we're going to have to discuss uh, is, is the fact that the Torah is very severe uh, about it. Uh, it's one of the 
uh, many, not many, but uh, select uh, misdeeds in the Torah that it puts under the category of capital punishment. So it's absolutely very severe about it. Um, Oh, we're talking about Jews. We're talking about Jewish law now. That's right. Why? Uh, we'll get to these questions. So um, it's, it's, that's, that, that, that's what we're going to try to address. We're not going to uh, avoid it and try to uh, reconcile it uh, in, a, in a disingenuous fashion. Okay? This is a little bit on the side. Yes, but go I've ahead. I've seen over the years several, I think probably most of them were reform synagogues, but I've seen several gay, you know, Jewish groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, the question is, I'm saying, uh, it's like, if you, if you, you know, let's be this example a little bit later on, but like, I've seen synagogues, schools in America that have their parking lot open on Shabbat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and there's even Orthodox schools. There's an Orthodox school in our neighborhood that has people driving around Shabbat. And now it's very clear, it's abundantly clear that driving by is prohibited by Torah law. So the question is, you know, is does it is it the shul's role? Even Orthodox, even very observant, and like you said before, but even very observant, is it the is it the synagogue's role to monitor and adjudicate and judge the constituents or not? You know, there have been efforts. There's in uh, in the in the uh, the yeshiva university, which is a, a modern Orthodox uh, uh, institution. That's a, a college in in Manhattan. And they have like gay and lesbian clubs, or they have something like that. I don't know the exact details. But you it's know? not about uh, legislation. If uh, I mean, if, uh, you, if you don't, if you are Shomer Shabbos, yeah, you won't encourage somebody to do something on Shabbos. It's not that you want to punish them. But That's true. Like, but I'm the question is, is it why is this necessarily different? It means you're, you're you're saying it's it's anathema to Judaism. Uh, homosexuality, okay, a lot of things are anathema to Judaism. So why is this different? And I think that that's a good theme to take. Yes, there's a lot of things Torah says we don't that 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 is prohibited by Torah law, and people do it anyhow. So there's a difference between promoting it or just kind of overlooking it, you know. Well, I'm saying yeah. So that, but that, that's a sensitivity. That's you know, that's not a. I think we'll, 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 get, we'll get to that a little bit of how, how we actually, we, you know, we deal with that, you know. So if somebody says to you, I want to go to Shabbos service, yeah. and I'll drive, what would you say? No, stay home? I, I, listen, I, we, I had a Shabbaton in my house uh, last week. Yeah. We had uh, more than 50 young adults, and we all drove there, and I invited them all. Um, and I didn't tell them to drive there. But you will see. I understand that most of them will, but you know, put out sleeping bags, No, I understand. I mean, in, in, in many, there, there are these, these, these you know, Hispanos. Yeah. So, so you consider more important for them to experience the Shabbos. Well, listen, it's it's the question is like this. You know, people are never exposed to Shabbos. They'll never observe Shabbos. Correct. Um, the, the question could be, like, let's say you knew for sure that someone would never observe Shabbat. You knew that a thousand percent sure, which we don't know how you can. But let's assume that you did know that. Then would you be allowed to invite them? Because then there's no positive, necessarily. You, you know, you, he's just coming for the free meal, and you, you're making him desperate for Shabbat. That's a good question. But, maybe but we don't have that assumption. They're getting something else out of the evening. Yes, but is that, is that a good trade-off? You know, are we the ones who are going to say, you know what, let's just spend Torah law because I think I'm making a, a, a choice that it's better for them to have, let's say, Torah and a Shabbat meal in order, you know, to drive. Well, can I, can I make a comparison? Yeah. Um, I think that the 
Harrison, yes, I guess, go ahead. to the topic. Yes. No. So there's, there was, a, at the time, a high suicide rate in gay society because they were either afraid to come out and it got to them, or they came out and they were rejected mm-hmm. and it got to them. Mm-hmm. So it would be the comparison suicide versus coming out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And is there one better than the other? That's so, yep, yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, 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 I'm saying... That's like a more, much more advanced. Like, where I'm trying to start, like the. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to like. Frame. I was so lost. You weren't right into the. We were way up there. Yeah, I'm trying to. I think it's it's such a such a volatile issue. I want to. You want to frame it first. Like, what exactly is the issue and where? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. Good. It's on topic. Okay. So you go. So, uh, so, so, so let's let, let's say what everyone has to agree upon before we we embark in the conversation. So, if you look at the verse of Leviticus. It makes it abundantly clear: number one, that it's prohibited, like many things in the Torah, prohibited, and it's prohibited on pain of death. That's unde- undeniable. Go ahead. Why did we read that on Yom Kippur? Well, we read all the all the. It's not just that we read all the all the sexual sins are read on Yom Kippur. There's a lot of sexual sins in the Torah, and many of them are prohibited on pain of death, like adultery. Yeah, your sister, uh, or, your mother. Yeah, parents, yeah, mother. We read like that on Yom Kippur. We read, we read that. Right then, oh, you shouldn't try to synagogue. Well, we read a lot of things Yom Kippur. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting. So, so this is, if, if an honest reading of the Torah and Jewish writings makes it clear that that is for sure the position, undeniably so. Uh, there are people, unfortunately, that have taken the approach of let's try to reread it or let's try to expunge it. And to me, uh, I think number one, it's 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 extremely arrogant to say, oh, I think differently, therefore I'm going to cut it out. It's like trying to rewrite history, or rewrite the t- rewrite the book. To me, it's much worse to say, uh, you know what, I don't agree with this, and therefore I'm not going to read it. Well, because if you pull out one verse, you're essentially downgrading the book to being uh, a, not, a, not, not a divine book, what right? Because exactly, and, and 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 because if it is divine, then everything is divine. Once you say it's arbitrary what we accept, what we don't accept as divine, then the entire thing has to be uh, thrown away. So the magnitude of the decision of saying I don't agree with this, this is wrong, I'm not going to read this. I'm going to take a scalpel and cut it out of my Torah scroll. That decision is a very grave decision because essentially you're taking the entire Torah, not just that verse, the entire Torah is saying everything is arbitrary. So if I don't like something that it says about, I don't know, about Noah, I'll take that out as well. Once you've said it's divine, then the approach is okay. Then a little bit of humility is okay. You really heard the story of huh? Well, yes, yes. So, um, but the verse yes. that we we're talking about is yes. that two males should not be cohabited. Yes. Right? yes, that's right. I mean, it's another what, what, is, what is the exact wording for that verse? Uh, the words are <laughs> that. It's only one verse of our show, I don't really remember. So now we're backwards. What is it? What is exactly that? The main bomb, something like that. Yeah, it's clear. It's, it's undeniable. Now, and I also think that 
it's it a very it's okay a, a go ahead. Yes, yes. Yes. Means. I don't know. It means it's well, but he uses that for you know, a few for things. No, no kosher but things. I don't know what abomination means. Okay, well, we'll put that as another question to ask. What is an abomination? Go to elementary. Moving right along. So, it's okay to say, I think it's a very good answer to the question to say, listen, this is in the Torah, this is what it says, this is what it means, and I have the humility to say that I don't necessarily understand it. Right? Do we understand everything in the Torah? Is everything make an abundance of sense? We read last week about the red heifer. You take a red heifer and you slaughter the red heifer and you make a, a big fire and you put in other things and then you take it and mix it with ashes and throw it to people and they become pure. Does that make sense to us? <laughs> no. Do we take a scalpel and cut it out? Also not. It's okay to say you don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. However, when someone says, I am smarter than God, and therefore, I decided this is one. Well, actually, no. Society decided, and I kind of pivoted. If it was in the 1950s, you would be okay with it. But because society has moved on towards accepting this as a social norm, right? Therefore, I would say that society today, the way it is right now constructed, uh, you know, this is right, this is absolute, and thus the Torah is wrong. And then, therefore, I'm going to take it, uh, a decision to say that we're not going to read this anymore. It's out of the Torah. That I think is the worst approach to it. Yes, there's a conflict. There's a problem, right? There's a problem. Why? Because our society today has evolved or regressed, however you want to say it, has moved to a place where uh, uh, banning this kind of activity is, you know, is against the, the you know, the, the, the social mores of society. That's clear. And the Torah makes it very clear that it bans it uh, with the most extreme uh, terms. It's a good question. And we'll tr- you know, for Jews, the Torah. The Torah is what the Torah is for Jews. Oh, I know. Yes, that's, I, that's very clear. Torah is for Jews, yes. That's right. Uh, and the worst approach to say is that in order to avoid conflict and to avoid the discussion, we're going to say either that the Torah doesn't really mean it. There's a guy who wrote a whole book that tried to justify this by saying, well, he tried to use all these you know, textual imaginations to try to twist what he wanted into the meaning. Right, very disingenuous, or to cut it out. Those are the, both the worst approaches. What we're going to do is we're going to take the content matter uh, as it's written, and we're going to address it head on, and we're not going to be as, as scared of, of tackling issues because we're, we're adults here. We can talk about it like adults. What do you all say? Now, I want to point most at another point. Yeah, most yeah. of us, yeah. I want to point at another thing here. There's uh, um, an inference in the Talmud that says that for someone to take the words of the Torah and change them, right? that is one of the worst things you could possibly do. And it gives the example. It says that they had, um, uh, this is in the Baba Kama. It's in, uh, it's in Chaki Baba Kama in Ahovel. Uh, it says that the Romans, they sent two inspectors to read the, through the entire Talmud. Right? Or the Mishnah, I guess it was at the time. To read through the entire Mishnah and to see if it was okay. So they sent these people and they read the entire thing and they sent this... Um, you know, they gave him the books, okay, read it, they translated it, read it, everything, fantastic. And, and said, well, we agree, everything is wonderful, besides for one thing. And they had to try to convince him not to go back and tell Caesar about well, the one thing that it said about non-Jews. I, don't remember, I think it was that, you know, whatever, I'm not going to say what it was. Read the Talmud, find it. Either way, the question is, the question is, uh, they knew, the Jewish people knew that this was a very volatile you, know, very, you don't want to give this to the inspector, to the, you know, to the guy who's reading through the censor. The question is, why did they just not cut that little part out and just avoid the issue in, in its entirety? And one of the commentators' answers says that because 
it, it, it has the severity of Yehari Vayavar. It's, it's one of those things that it's, it's a cardinal sin to try to change the Torah, even if it's for, for your benefit. You know? So we don't do that. And I think that it's much worse to say, oh, the Torah doesn't say it in Leviticus uh, 19, wherever it is, uh, versus saying, this is what it says, we know it's a conflict, let's talk about it. We're going to take the latter approach. Okay? We're good? Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so I think the first question is what Brad asked. So a very, 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 seems like a very severe punishment for seemingly something which is very natural, very normal. We'll get to both elements of that question. Is that, the, is that, is that how you, I want to frame the question? Sure. Yeah? Everyone to go with that? So what was the question? Watch. Well, well why, why is it prohibited? There's two questions. Why is it prohibited? Why is it prohibited with such a severe punishment? Both. So I'll start with the second one because I, I want to try to... Uh, so we're talking about homosexuality. That's right. Now, also very important. It doesn't say homosexuality. It's not going to say anything about homosexuality. It says about acting upon it. You know, and I like to think of it like you know, uh, even people that are not gay or not homosexual, they could have desires that are prohibited by Torah. We'll get that more in detail. It's very. There's a, a lot of things the Torah says that are perfectly natural and perfectly healthy people and perfectly straight people and perfectly normal people desire them and Torah says don't do them. Are you saying that being straight is normal? No, I didn't say that. I said, I, 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 I said perfectly normal and perfectly straight. Actually, what he's saying, yeah, is, is that it is natural to have some yeah, impulses I'm saying, that are forbidden in the Torah. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Okay, go ahead. So... Um, so like this. So, so let, let, let's talk about why it's so severe before we... Uh, and it's a little bit of a, of a weird way to approach the issue. But I think it's, it'll diffuse it. It's a way to diffuse the issue. Like, why is the punishment so severe? Why is this up there with the worst sins you could possibly get a capital punishment? Okay? Um, so first of all, I think it's important to note that there's a lot of sins that I think you would ask the same question. Um, well, most of the sexual ones. I mean, yes, almost all, almost all the sexual sins are punishable by death. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just one more in the bunch. Yes, yeah, so I think today, like adultery, is not as taboo as it used to be. You know, so there's a great, um, uh, there's a great point in, in the Torah where Abraham is bringing, is going down to Egypt with his wife, and he tells her, he tells his wife, sister. "Well, listen, save you my sister, because otherwise they'll kill me to marry you." Uh, question is, okay, so why, why, why would they kill him to marry her? Because they're married. So what? If you're going to kill someone, you might as well just do adultery. <laughs> Mazel tov. Why, like, why? It's clear. Huh? And they ended up being uh, adulterers because she was... Well, well yes, but they didn't know that. Yeah. But it seems very clear that that society at that time viewed adultery as being worse than murder. It's very clear. Otherwise, just commit the adultery, commit the lesser of the two sins, right? So it's clear to it's clear that in that society, murder was ah, it's okay, it's no big deal, it happens every day. But adultery, no, that's 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 sacrosanct, right? That that was the attitude, and obviously in our society, the exact opposite would be true. Like the the most severe thing we can even imagine is murder, but adultery, well, you know, there's websites dedicated to it, and, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. It's, uh, so that's, it's an interesting where our, our approach to what is really bad and what is not so terrible is kind of dependent on where we are. Like even in a non-Jewish society, right? We said that the Egyptian society that Abraham encountered 3,800 years ago, adultery was a big no-no, uh, yet murder was okay, at least comparatively. Uh, and additionally, you see the Romans. You know, the Romans, to them, the idea of a human life being sacred and being so important 
that that's very recent. Mm-hmm. You know, the Romans, the, the, you know, because I was a petty criminal, that is what's okay. It's what's morally correct to do, to just drop them in a stadium and have them torn to shreds in front of everyone. Everyone claps and cheers, right? To us, that's unimaginable. That's the most inhumane and immoral thing in the world. But that society at that time, uh, you know, they were okay with that. So I'm, my point is, is that is that there's a lot of things that we would view today as being not so bad, like like adultery, for example, and the Torah uh, prohibits it on pain of death. Now, I want to say something uh, uh, additional to that is that uh, Shabbat, uh, observance of the Shabbat, uh, it's very clear, punishable by death. Well, if you pick up the sticks twice. Yeah, you pick up gathering sticks is the down of the Torah. Um, huh? Gathering sticks. Gathering the sticks. Usually twice. You have to have two witnesses. Very, that's right. Very important. Yes. And we'll get we'll get we'll, we'll get to the procedural. But that's an example where actually the you know, interpretation changed with time, right? Huh? That's if you no. now have witnesses and so on, would you support death penalty? We'll get to the details. Jump ahead of us. So the question is like this: Okay, forget about homosexual for a second, and even adultery for a second. The Torah is clear: If you collect twigs on Shabbat. You're not hurting no one. It's not even no one can even complain that that their na- that their that their kids are going to be perverted. No, no one's hurt. Nothing. And that is something which is which is it's fear. It's reasonable. It's logical to have to have the death penalty for this. You know, if you write two letters on Shabbat, you write two letters. You write a a, a, a well, that's be a word. Let's say, but let's say you write a word like a gimel and a gimel. You spell the word and according to the Torah law, punishable by death on Shabbat. Really? Does that sound reasonable? If someone is doing some calligraphy in their basement, that is something which is so disastrous. It's 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 it's, it's worthy of capital punishment. I think that's that's a, essentially an expansion of, of this question. Yeah, it means it's, it can be isolated to this uh, topic at hand, but it's much more far-reaching. You know, there's probably more examples we can think of. I guess you know, in our mind, adult, uh, idolatry is maybe. You know, you know, we could see why idolatry is kind of the ultimate heresy, and maybe why that would be different. Uh, but there's what other examples are there? Well, most most of the sins are are are, are either capital punishment. Most of the capital punishments are reserved for for various forms of sexual sins idolatry. and idolatry. Um, and that's, why why are sexual shuttle. sins? Elevated. Well, but the question is even I said Shabbat. Shabbat is an example where for us it's very hard to to to, to you know to reconcile that if someone is going to be collecting several twigs on Shabbat or carrying his uh, I don't know carrying his keys his even not keys but from one domain to another domain carrying anything you're carrying a loaf of bread like the Thomas you carry a loaf of bread right you bring it from one domain to the other domain like this is so bad you light a fire in Shabbat that's so bad. I think there's a very good question. I think it's, you know, and that it's a way to diffuse it because that's not something which is so uh, sensitive. It's like hey, Shabbat, you know, it's Shabbat. We all know about what Shabbat is. We all have somewhat a, of an imagery of what the structure ought to be. And it says, well, if, it makes it very clear. It's undeniable that if you, uh, by Torah law, you know, they this will be something that's punishable by Torah law, uh, by pain of death. That also seems to be very unreasonable. So I want to point out a few facts here. Um, fact number one is that. A, the Mishnah says, the Mishnah's book of Jewish law, this is where it all comes from, if a, a Jewish court uh, executes someone once every seven years, that is a vindictive court. Opinion number one. Opinion number two is that if a Jewish 
court executes once every 70 years, it's a vindictive court. Thus, Jewish, the Jewish system, you would think, well, dude, if people writing writing letters on Shabbat, like, there'd be actually people left, right, and center, right? So you would think, right? <laughs> so if it does, if you every 68 years, I just have like wholesale, right? And so you would think, right? But then it says, wait a minute, every, if you have, if your court executes every 68 years, so it did one now and one in, I don't know, 1947, like, Whoa, everyone would praise this court has to be closed down. It's a vindictive court. How is that possible? How could you, how, you know, you know how to possibly. 68 or 68? I said less than 70. 68. You know, if every 68 years the court kills someone, which doesn't even sound so crazy. Like we, in Texas, we do like every 68 hours or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how is it possible that you have uh, such seemingly, you know, uh, such broad laws just warranting so much? Uh, freedom to the court to execute, uh, and yet it happens so infrequently. I mean, it's a very good question. You know, even at that time, sure, people didn't observe the Shabbat, and you know, people could do sins and whatever. So there's, there's, I think, a two two points that are, you know, I, I think it's important not to not to realize that don't not to think that these Jewish courts were incompetent. Uh, they couldn't catch anyone, or they didn't have dominion. We're talking about a time where the Jewish people had complete political religious, legislative control. That's what it means to the Jewish courts. That's when they're in session. Uh, why would they not kill someone more than every seven years, especially if there's such expansive laws um, on seemingly minor activities that you know, we ought to have here about it every, you know, every week, every day. It should happen. So I think there's two answers. Number one is that there's very uh, restrictive uh, draconian laws making it very, very difficult for a court to actually mete out such a punishment. How so? Uh, so someone mentioned witnesses, right? Uh, every every act has to be seen by a minimum of two witnesses. Uh, now the witnesses have to see the activity. They have to warn verbally the individual about to do whatever activity that may be. And it has to be within five seconds of that activity happening. And the person has to say during that five seconds, I know that I'm going to be killed for doing what I'm doing, and I'm doing it anyhow. In Hebrew. I know that this is, I know that if I write these two letters, right, like he says, right, I'll be executed, and I'm doing it anyhow. Which, if you think about that, essentially, the, it's like death by cop, you know? It's essentially the, the only way for someone to actually get executed is if they want it. And even if they want it, let's assume that we have witnesses, and they have the warning. And the guy says, I accept it. Still, odds are that they're not going to execute him. Why? Uh, for example, they have these uh, cross-examinations. Uh, they take the two witnesses, they separate them into rooms, and they pester them with questions on a very wide variety of topics. For example, they would ask him, oh, you saw a murder. Oh, really? What day did you see? Right? What hour? Was it cloudy outside or not? And they separate the witnesses and ask them questions independently. And then they compare the answers. Yeah. And they ask him, oh, he murdered him near a tree. Really? What kind of tree was it? Was it an apple tree? Was it a fruit tree? Well, you know, was it, was it just a, a maple tree? Right? But this is this is moving the question backwards. No, I'm saying it's really, it's, it's, it's... Well, the, the question is why did they set so, such a high standard? Because well, they knew that this would lead to a yeah, very so few executions. So they made it on purpose so that yeah. they don't no, have that they. So there seems to be an external kind of... No, it, it, it's uh, okay, okay, common okay, okay, wisdom so, in which so everybody agrees that so killing is bad. Let, let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. 
I will. No, I'm now, uh, for example, the Talmud says that there was one time a guy who committed a murder, and it was near a tree. That's why you give the example. And when they in, when they interviewed the two witnesses separately, they asked them, "Okay, this tree. So it was a fig tree. How thick were the stems of the fruits? Where the fruit attached to the tree was it kind of really thin, or was it thick? Like those are the details they would ask. And the reason why they asked so many questions was to deliberately get the case where they conflict each other, they contradict each other, and therefore we throw out the case." You know? So essentially, the laws on one hand are designed what, with the express intention of actually not ever doing it. And in fact, they almost never did it. It was such a rarity. Once every 70 years, you're not doing the job uh, right. So what's the value of having that law? Okay, so that's... that's if you're designing all these... So the question is... So, 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 okay, so the truth is, is that the one exception to all this is murder. So it's ironically what we say is, is, is the exception to, to capital law, that's what the Torah says as well. Because murder is treated very differently. Like, if someone committed a murder, but there's one of these technicalities that makes it impossible for us to actually execute them, we actually put them in prison, and they're kept in prison. And in fact, sometimes they would even try to find a creative way to actually execute them without actually, without actually killing, killing them. Like they would not give them, not give them food, and then give them lots of food, and then you know, kind of like use these creative means to actually kill them because we know for sure someone's guilty. And uh, well, you know, either there was, let's say, there was two witnesses, but they didn't see exactly at the same time. One guy was looking at the window and seeing the murder, and the other guy says, "Oh, let me see, let me see," and then he moves back, and the other guy looks, and they weren't seeing exactly at the same time, but they both saw everything was clear. Witnesses are, are good witnesses, and everything, everything went well. We would still, you know, that that's the one exception. So. It's not like it was lawless anarchy, which people murdering left, right, and center because they know they're not going to get caught. Uh, all the other sins, what we call like the religious sins that are not impacting other people, that it would almost never happen. Uh, another reason why it would never happen, or wait, maybe wait, wait, time, time out. out. Yes, go ahead. We're still not getting the question answered. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, <did> I? <laughs> okay, so the law is somebody writes Can two I, letters dead, right? Yes, not, not, not dead, but that is a sin that the Torah says is something which is so severe. Punishable by death. Punishable by death, that's right. Okay, so this guy goes, he writes his two letters, boom, punishable by death. Yes. Who's making all these exceptions? It's all the Torah, it's all there. It's not exceptions, it's, okay. it's part of the law. Part of the judicial system of the Torah is not just what is the classification of a sin, but actually the procedures upon which the adjudication of that law actually happens. So why not just leave the adjudication to the rabbis? Well, it's because that's not what we do. This is not a religion for the rabbis. The Torah is given us by the Almighty. So there's and, just Well, no. That's, not, that's clearly not the intention. That's my point I'm trying to bring up out. Clearly, the intention is not to execute people. And additionally, I will, and I will raise my hand when the question is answered. So God, God is saying to do something that he's not intending. No, I'm, um, I'm, I, if I, if I could please answer the question, okay? I mean, I might, we're not going to hold off on any other questions. Everyone's trying to tackle me. I'm going to fight back. <laughs> um, no, we're not going in circles. I'm establishing a point here. When it says that someone gets executed for this sin, it means, doesn't mean they actually get executed. It means that it's a sin which is so severe that it warrants their execution. That's, what, that, that's the point that I, want, that I want to say. That's the point. It's not about execution. No one actually gets executed for this, right? Additionally, the next point that I want to establish, which I think would help us understand this a little bit uh, better as well, is that the society 
upon which these laws are designed for is a society that views such sins as worthy of execution. Now, we're having a discussion. You guys are looking at me like I fell off the moon. Why? Because, Rabbi, you really believe that if someone desecrates the Shabbat, that is something which is worthy of execution? That's a question I see in everyone's face. Because it's a good question. And you know what? I had people come to my house. Last week, I had 50 people come. They all drove. Did I look at them like they all just committed murder? Also not. This is, doesn't make sense to me either. But the point is that these, these laws are not universal laws for everyone or laws even for the Jewish people right now. Right? Wait, wait, wait. The laws as, as in the, <laughs> the, 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 the adjudication of these laws. Okay? Uh, why? And, I'm, and I have evidence that's it's clear, indisputable evidence. If I may say, yes. Does it talk about accessory to these actions as well? Like your example, where you invite 50 people. Well, then that would, that would, that would, be the, that would deal with the laws of Lifna Eber. That's a prohibition. Lifna Eber, which means don't, before a blind person, don't put a stumbling block. Right. It would be prohibited for someone to try to enable someone else's sin in any sin, regardless of, of the severity of the sin. But it's not punishable by death, I guess. But it's not punishable by death. No. Well, there are some cases. What if someone like ties someone up and then someone else kills them? That might be an exception. No, 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 but going back to your, not to dwell on it, but going back to your Shabbat example. Yes. If someone um, violates Shabbat and says punishable by death, right? Yes. And you, and if you're accessory to that, it I, merits the punishment. It merits. Warrants. It warrants. It warrants. Yes. Set, uh, death. So if you're if you're enabling that. Yeah, so, so, so the question is, what's the justification of ever inviting someone to ask for Shabbat? If you know the question. The question is, um, if you're an accessory to committing a, or warning a sin that's like uh, yes, what happens to that? Well, individual? the question is, is it permitted or prohibited? That's the question. And uh, this, has to, this is a question that is addressed to some of the greatest halakhic minds. And there is a lot of debate about it. Uh, but the position that uh, that our um, uh, our Rebbe of Torch he decided, and the position that's almost universally accepted in all Jewish outreach organizations, Jewish educational organizations, educational organizations, is that you invite people, you don't tell them explicitly to drive. Uh, if someone asks you, um, uh, "Can I drive on Shabbat?" You don't. You can never say someone that you're, you're not God. Therefore, you can't waive his restrictions. Uh, however, you invite them, even though you know they're going to drive. Uh, that's okay because you're invited to Shabbat and only via exposure to Shabbat will they even have a chance to adopt observance of Shabbat. So let me, let me that's what I that, that, might, that must be a hard thing for you. Somebody says, let's suppose they don't know this. And they yeah. say, but I have to drive to your house. Is it okay? I don't know. I would say, I don't know what, don't know what you, Something what, like that. I'd love to have you guys in Shabbat or something like that. I mean, you can't say it's not your job to say I'm gonna yes, wave it. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna give you a coupon. Even I want you to <laughs> give me a dollar, you get cash. Right? I actually once offered someone coupons, but it, yeah. If you're nearby and if you wanted to stop in on Shabbat, we'd love to see you. Right, but they cannot say, "Listen, drive on Shabbat." They can't do that, right? So, um, so this point is a very important point that I feel like I haven't impressed it upon you guys. Yet. Yes. I haven't said it. Yes, I uh, and that is that... Because they are attacking all the that's time. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's so what happens if you... So, tie into the conversation. What happens if you invite um, two men 
that you know are... Well, you're trying to mix now wow, everything. Wow. Hey, there you go. There's too many you tell them to stir the pot during Shabbat, but they're gay, and they call the drive, and yes, I get they have to bring a dope and that's the sign in the morning, but... And they have to sign in. And they move the sticks, and they rip the leaves, and they turn on the lights... <laughs> okay, so yes. um, so the question would be that would be a different question, and then the question is, what do you possibly gain out of it, right? If you don't gain, it's a different question because in the example of Shabbat, the the what you gain by buying someone for Shabbat is that they're exposed to Shabbat, as opposed to uh, if you know by by oh. enabling other people to sin. So you're saying that just you know the ends justify the mean in the first. Well, case. that's that's the argument. Well, because I mean, a person there will be exposed to Shabbat, therefore they won't. Learn about it, therefore. And there's no chance of no, would do it. So right. if, if and about the, the Talmud says. The that's Tal- not true. The Talmud well, I mean, says. Maybe, yes, maybe, well, maybe, maybe not, but don't precipitate. Let me give an example. Why couldn't the rabbi come to their house and stay at their house? Oh, well, they yeah. can experience Shabbos that way. But, but when you invite two. Whoa! Whoa! When you, when you invite yeah. two gay men, you know you're not going to make them straight by having them for spot. How did we get. So, let me say the second point here. I don't know how we got Shabbat. I don't know either. This is like 10 times 2 equals X plus Y. But these are all type questions. We're not doing common forms. I tried this example of like you bring the straw man to illustrate a point and people confuse the straw man and the point. So, uh, the second point is is that these laws, especially the punishments associated with Jewish laws, were not designed for our society. Now, not that the laws were not designed for society, but the punishment designed for the society is clearly designed for society. And I have a proof. Why? Because we know Jewish capital law is only enforced when the Sanhedrin, which means the Jewish Supreme Court, is in session in Jerusalem. Thus, all the Jewish courts that, that did all across Israel and Babylon that meted out capital punishment, they only did it contingent upon the, that the Sanhedrin was in session in Jerusalem. From where is it known? It's established. These are all established. The Talmud discussed it. It's, 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 it's discussed. Yeah, I think it's in Shabbos 15. It talks about Yes, 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 yes. yes. But the Talmud gives us the details of the laws. Aren't they trying to reestablish the Sanhedrin? Uh, who's they? No one knows. Uh, isn't that something they're trying to... If there's a messianic discussion... Let's talk about... Yes. That, that would probably... By the way, very interestingly, uh, um, uh, Chief Rabbi Herzog uh, and Ben-Gurion had a series of letters dealing with all the ramifications of, of reestablishing a Jewish state. One of the letters that they had, well, what about the Sanhedrin? Like, um, if we present uh, the formation of Israel in the Messianic light, a lot of people try to do that, uh, therefore, the natural progression would be that, okay, so... Maybe it's going to be incrementally, but eventually it's about reestablishing a Sanhedrin, maybe building a temple. That's all linked together. Uh, but in order for any court anywhere to establish, uh, to, to meet our capital punishment, the Sanhedrin had to be in session in Jerusalem. Now, the Sanhedrin left Jerusalem voluntarily in the year 30. They left Jerusalem and they moved to a city called Ben. Where did the Sanhedrin move to? Where did the Sanhedrin move to? No, they didn't go to Tzfat. They went to Yavne. Yavne. They moved out voluntarily. The the temple was still uh, still extant for 40 more years. They decided to pick up and move out of town. 
Why would they do that? Why would you leave the epicenter of Jewish life? Why would you leave the temple? And why would you take the Sanhedrin and move it out of there and take, get it out of Jerusalem? Exactly. It was their decision. Their decision was to force the hand, to force the hand of all the Jewish court that they can, that the Jewish court can no longer enforce capital punishment. Now, why did they do that? They did that because they were too busy. Right. The if you learn a little bit more about the time period, right, there was a significant regression in the state of the Jewish people. There was a lot of crime, a lot of misdeeds, a lot of abandonment of Torah principles. Therefore, the courts were way busier than they were designed to be. The courts were designed to be implemented in a time where once every 70 years made sense. If they're busier... Sorry, go ahead. Yes, so during Roman... Yeah, Roman yes, the Romans were in control. Well, the Romans always ruled by proxy, right? So they always let the local populace uh, self-govern. Well, depending on the time, from time what? to more autonomy. But yes. But this, I mean, this. So is therefore, this is a great example. This is the Talmud. It's very clear. It's historically, uh, we really have documentation of that. That the Sanhedrin voluntarily decided to stop enacting capital punishment. Why? Because that is not what it's designed to be. So I think if you ask me today, hey, is our Jewish society the way we are currently composed? Are we a society that it makes sense for us that if someone writes two letters on Shabbat? They deserve to be executed? No. And a, a resounding no. Right? Therefore, we're not the society that is designed to have the implementation of these laws. So someone asks, well, when Bashir comes tomorrow, they're going to have to set up a booth outside of Beth Yishurin and start executing everyone left, right, and center. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just on Shabbat, as they come in, just execute them. Of course not. Right? Of course not. When our nation is at the point where they can have an appreciation of the fact that when God says something, it's very meaningful. And it's very meaningful. And you go in opposition. That is a, the most egregious sin possible. And it's so bad you deserve to be executed. When we're at the point where it makes sense, that's the point where we can consider reestablishing Sanhedrin and having capital, capital, capital law. But to me, this is a tremendous insight that the fact that the Sanhedrin voluntarily decided to shut over its doors, or at least shut over the doors on capital punishment, clearly demonstrates that capital punishment is not designed for the Jewish people at all times and all places. Only when it makes sense. I think today, the, when we think about capital punishment, it's, it's important for us to realize that this is an idea. It's a severity. It's showing gravity to a sin. Right? These are sins in, in ascending or descending gravity. This is something really bad. right? And, uh, and we have to appreciate that. I was saying that, that the Torah views this, you know, some sins are, are bad and some sins are even worse. Right? That's, what we, that's what we have to appreciate. However, we, ha- we cannot think about it in... in, in the tangible terms of this is something which is worthy of execution, uh, because that's it's it's yes. While while you know in certain societies that would be appropriate, uh, but clearly the way we are currently constructed, uh, this is that's out of the question. And even when the temple was in existence and there was the Sanhedrin and there was the great leadership of the first century, still they decided to voluntarily close it because even they weren't uh, at the point. Uh, uh, Collectively, nationally, where this was appropriate. Go ahead, your question. No, well, it's Go about, ahead. I mean, uh, about the decision of leaving because, uh, I mean, it's just saying, oh, I, I, will, I, am, I'm, I am supposed to do this, but I will just move out so that I don't have to do it. It's a strange No, thing, no, right? no, no, but, the, but the, they, didn't just, they didn't just arbitrarily decide that. They decided that because they had a keen understanding of what their role was. 
Their role was when the nation is worthy to have such great leadership, you know, and have such strict uh, implementation of 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 the law, right? Then they're 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 the guardianship of, of that of right, the nation. Not, when the nation says we we're, we opt out, okay, you opt out. Well, that's that's, that's not the nation. It's not, it's not here, the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish law, is not here to compel people to observe. That's no, not what it's that's about. Great, but I mean, uh, sense that deserves a capital punishment uh, seems to me are more important, or worthy of time than just you know I, I whatever I lit the candles two minutes after the eighteen minutes before. The, yeah, it's not clear if you lied to Shia. Well, well, whatever it is. Or, you know, it's, not clear, it's not clear that that I forgot to say the Modiani. Right, that's not capital that, that's punishment. Not, right, that's not capital punishment. So right. the capital punishment things are... Yes, worth being, worth so, being yes. so we so see... So, okay, so let's move on to the next we, we have We go with the first... The, right, why is this so fair? Why are we executing all the gays? Well, no, we're executing a lot of people, but we're not really executing <laughs> anyone. Right? And that, that, that's the thing that the first... So the question is, well, why is it so severe? Why, why does it even warrant... Uh, uh, why does it even warrant uh, capital punishment? Now, I think the question can be expanded because there's a lot of sins that are that are under uh, capital punishment, and almost all the sexual sins, almost all of them. So you can say, well, it's just part of all sexual sins. It's no different, you know. If you sleep with a married woman, you got execute. Both of you guys are executed if it's, if it's voluntary. If it's rape, well, then just the just the aggressor. Okay, you know, and maybe we're we're more okay with that. But all almost all sexual sins have 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 the severity that. You know that this is something which is which warrants capital punishment. Maybe we could say, listen, the sexual sins are are severe sins. You know, because uh, perhaps we could theorize that they're that they're you know at the epicenter of what uh, you know of what is uh, uh, you know of what is someone's chief area of of challenge, and therefore it's an area that the Torah warns us about a lot, and therefore our misdeeds are that much worse in that area. That's maybe a theory, but the fact that it's no also no it's no different than all the sexual sins. So then the question is, okay, so if it's not different, well, why is it prohibited to begin with? That's, I think, the, that's, I think where the, the real discussion, where we, where we to debate uh, uh, vigorously, which I hope we will. Oh, no, uh, and now, uh, now, uh, now I want to once again frame the question that all this is predicated, I think the question is predicated on an assumption uh, that some people are designed to be gay and some people are designed to be straight. Oh, you really want to start a fight? <laughs> now, yeah. it's an assumption. Now, I mean, not, whether or not we agree with the assumption, that, that's clearly the assumption. Because if, and this, this I think everyone, everyone can agree, like, if, you, if you don't agree with me, well, stop me if you don't agree with what I'm saying. If everyone is designed to be great, if, I'm saying everyone is, if, okay, so you do the words very carefully, if everyone is designed to be straight, and then people on their own decide to be gay, well, then we say, well, that's not normal, you know, then okay, that should be banned, right? Then everyone's okay. The question only has any real value because we have an assumption, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but we have an assumption that some people are designed to be gay. Thus, they were designed to do what you're prohibiting them. How could you prohibit them from what they're designed to do? That's where the question lies, but it's based on the assumption. Is that right? Who's making that assumption? I don't know. I assume we're making that assumption we're having this, this, this conversation, right? Some people think Right, so it's 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 a debate. It's not a choice. Right, so um, is it is it a nature or nurture? Well, if it's nature, well then God made them gay. I got so God, that one. Right, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so if if God made someone gay, then are they really at fault that they're just acting in a way that God designed them to? Well, but people 
That's the question. No, but it's you're giving answers. It's, it's not just for gays, right? We are designed to, you know, have urges and designed to sin. Okay, so you give me the answer. It's actually right. I know of a lot of people. I know of a lot of people that would make the argument that no, everyone is designed straight, and therefore, when someone, uh, uh, when someone kind of becomes gay, well, they they decided on their own. And it's, it's not nature, it's nurture, and therefore, the question is not a question. I know there are people that hold of that. Um, and I think that if that's your position, it's a very easy question to answer. You know, someone made a decision to become gay. Okay, you decide to go against the Torah, you made a decision, just like you decide to do anything against the Torah. I think the reason why this particular area is, is such a good question, such a, such a juicy conversation with that, is because we assume no. We assume that people are born like that. It's nature. And therefore, someone is not at fault for, you know, for, for, for being, uh, having same-sex attraction. Same-sex attraction. It sounds a little weird. Uh, therefore, if it's not their fault and God designed them like that, how could he ban such behavior? So they did a study on genetic twins. Yes. Tell them, TJ. They did a study with genetic twins. Yes. And they said if it's identical. if it's identical twins, yes. if in fact it is that they were born that way, then both twins would genetically have it. Yes. They would both be gay. Yes. They won't. I'm gonna so one that, was gay, one was not. And they said, okay, so genetic, genetically it's not genetic. Jump in. Yeah, go ahead. My mom and my aunt are identical twins. One has scoliosis, one doesn't. Each twin is exactly. still slightly different. Exactly. Even, even be genetic. But it's scoliosis a genetic disease. Yes. Genetics was saying your DNA is your DNA. It's not you can't be altered. So you exactly. guys are making the you guys are making yeah, the argument the that it's nature. I, I'm gonna ask a real are, question here. Go ahead. Now, a soul is, 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 is a soul assigned a gender? Is what? Uh, that's a good because because if we believe in reincarnation, then what if the soul was a female in the prior life and then now becomes a male? Uh, it's a good question. I once actually in, investigated. I couldn't find a clear answer. Uh, it seems like there may it, it may be indeed so, but I don't have any any hard hardcore evidence uh, that uh, that that's true. But that's a very interesting point. Like, but that that would be more like in like the you know someone normal transsexual or whatever. Um, there is there is some teachings in in, in Kabbalistic that have thought about the souls coming back and there is times where a female soul may enter a male body and therefore he has that invention and the same thing with a female having a male soul it's it's vague I don't know much about it but that's something I've read somewhere so um, I, I, I just uh, to bring the conversation I think uh, uh, to a point where where we can move on to the next point uh, I think that there's like you, you guys uh, gave a uh, uh, an unnamed apocryphal study that uh, that uh, that you to make the argument to make the argument that it that it's that it's, that it's nurture. Is that right? Yes, it's nurture. Uh, I think a lot of people today, most people today, I think in today's society, would say that it's it's actually nature. You're born like that. I think that if we were to have polled people in the fifties, uh, what they thought was it natural or or, or was it acquired? Uh, you know, people's position on that change. But if it's natural, then it's natural and it always was natural. And if it's acquired, it's acquired and it always was acquired. So our perception of this might not necessarily be in line with, with reality. I, I don't know. I think that you can pigeonhole people on why is this one gay and why did that one turn gay. This one might have felt that way 
things happen in their life that cause them to be gay. Oh, so you say it might be both. It might be both. Yeah, but uh, but our question, our question is strongest. Our our problem with the Torah is strongest if someone is physiologically wired to desire same sex. Then it's a great question. Someone is just designed from the get go to desire same sex. The Torah says no. Right. If it's if it's if it's acquired, it's like you decide you decide to eat a cheeseburger. Or you can decide yes or not to do anything. Then it's up to you. That's where the question is the strongest. So if we assume that it's entirely, if it's, we assume it's, an, it's entirely natural and you're just wired, you're hard-coded from the beginning to, to, to only be attracted to the same sex, that's where the question is the greatest. Well, I think why that is the that a question? I, it's, um, it's going, a, well, going back to the example that you gave last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember. With, um, they asked example? if I, ideology, promiscuality, and whatnot, if they can get rid of it. Right. Oh, yeah, it was a couple weeks ago, yeah. Right? So they said, yeah, you can get... They got, they took away and then God gave back promiscuity, but that's an urge that you're talking about. Yeah. What's the difference? You're, you and, uh, and and Aharon over here seem to be talking about the answer already. I think that's a very good argument. I'm, gonna make that, I'm going to make that same argument. But I, I think that... Let's assume the question is a very good question. And I think the question... I means What we want to do is try to frame it. Frame the discussion. I'm not trying to give you guys what you know the answer. But I think this question has to be framed, okay, how exactly does someone become gay uh, if it's entirely via the hands of God, act of God, so to speak, then the question is strongest. Uh, and I think that your approach and, and Diego's approach is probably the, the correct approach, at least one, one of the angles that we can perhaps stab at it to try to gain some clarity in, in the issue. Um, personally, I think it's probably some sort of mix um, I, I think that it's probably a spectrum. You know, I think uh, human uh, human attraction is not necessarily something which is you know which is clear cut and dried. I think that's 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 a fair argument to make to be made. I think that you know some people probably have a, a propensity from the get go to uh, to have attraction to to be more likely to have more same sex attraction, uh, unless unless opposite sex attraction or, or whatever. I just how do you say just a regular. Uh, um, uh, opposite gender attraction, versus right? Heterosexual attraction. I think that it most likely it's a stale. It's not like it's a switch where it's one or the other. I think that's that's a, that, that's probably fair because that's somewhere in the middle, um, you know. Uh, and therefore, I think it's a little bit more malleable. But I think that if you do believe that someone is gay and they're just designed like that, that's the way they're made physiologically, then it's a very very strong question. How does the Torah prohibit it? Is the point there? So that's one of the arguments. I said there are some people that say, I, I know people, I know positions on the issue that say it's entirely acquired. Uh, and it's, it's, it's egregiously acquired as if it's someone who deliberately wants to go against the Torah. Why? Because it's not possible that the, that the, the Almighty would, would prohibit so something, that, something exactly, that, that he made you uh, uh, covet. Um, I, there, there are people that say I that. I, I, I'm just like saying. Society, I, the truth know, is, a decade or so away from isolating something. To yeah, exactly. Show yeah, I think we don't know exactly. Like, um, so let's so let's do God designs our tongue yeah. to like bacon. Yeah. So that, that that's the answer. Right? Okay. So the answer like this. Not my tongue. Yeah. Our designs like have some issues. Otherwise, we wouldn't be human and we wouldn't be challenged. 
Yes, so I think that to, to me this is a very, I mean, very powerful. Like I, I think away, even people yeah, that are heterosexual, overcome. like yeah. heterosexual uh, humans. Genetically wired, you can't overcome that. Why not? So, so that's whoa, not whoa, a challenge. Whoa, 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 slow down there, TJ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why, why would you say you can't overcome that? It's a genetic thing. How can you overcome a genetic issue? Well, that's like that's like I'm white. Oh, genetic, but what's I'm the, white. I, I can't overcome what's, being white. What's, what's the genetic issue? Yes, you can. You could get melanin. Is attracted to same sex? Like that lady that became black. Or like Michael Jackson. There's a big difference there. <laughs> so uh, I know. Exactly. I uh, I I met a guy who yeah, yeah. was a heterosexual. Was he handsome? <laughs> <laughs> Inordinately so. <laughs> I said inordinately so. I've seen little kids grow up where they're like starting to walk and talk and they're like little boys and they're totally girls. They want to dress up, put makeup on. What's that about? When they're two, okay, when okay. they're two okay. and they grow up. And then you have people that are like different. Then yeah, maybe people they're that are like no, that's a boy. totally boys no, but all their life and then all of a sudden they decide to be they dated and then all of a sudden they're dead. So yeah, so that's why my 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 thought is that it's something in the middle. Some people have a, a greater propensity towards being a little more the sensitive side, whatever, of the boys, uh, and that you know that's I don't, you know I think I, I think that that's probably the true answer. It's somewhere in the middle. Um, so you met a guy. So I met a guy uh, who's entirely heterosexual, happily married, and he he saw he saw a, a married woman. And he desired her. And was mind blown. Like he saw another married woman and he desired her. It's crazy. Like what's the deal? But the Torah said no. And it's super normal. Super, and he just desired it. And he didn't do anything. He didn't like acquire something to say I want to desire some and other he woman. Wasn't he told he you was married. He was married. That makes it problematic. And she was married also. Oh. And, and he desired her. And it was crazy. And he had such an eternal struggle. And this is trying to bring a point here. The point is that no matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter no matter what situation you are, no matter what your desires are, you're probably going to have something that the Torah says no to. And it might be supernatural. The mere fact that someone is attracted to something that they cannot have by Torah law, that's not a problem. That in itself is not is not really a question. Like, okay, so if someone's a, a, a homosexual, they, they desire something that's prohibited. Someone's a heterosexual, they also desire something, something that's prohibited. You know? Uh, in all likelihood, we all, you know, we live in America today, right? You only married one woman, you know? What if you really like, I don't know, blondes, or you really like whatever, you know? <laughs> Is that not normal? Is that not normal to have a little bit of variety in, you know, what you like? Is that more like What you're tra- attracted to? King David, but we're not King David. <laughs> you know, so so why is that not a question as well? Like, why are we not bothered by that as well? I think it's a good question. It's a, is it the same question? Totally. Well, you know, it's, it's your would that be categorized as your uh, your your evil inclination? Exactly. Your what? If you yes, that's right. If you are if you are attracted yeah. to something the Torah says, if you're attracted to something the Torah says no to, then welcome aboard. You're with every single other Jew on the planet. That is the that is the, that, that is what the Torah does. The Torah, the Torah tells us that we cannot do things because 
that we want to do because if it, if it told us that we can't do things that we don't want to do it wouldn't challenge us like someone mentioned it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't change us it wouldn't perfect us therefore the Almighty designed us to want certain things right we covet certain things we want certain things and the Torah says no you know what thou shalt not covet your fellow's wife that's the Ten Commandments but it's super central to our religion and the vast majority of men out there are going to be faced with that right and that's very very normal and it's a challenge that we'll have and there's no way you could possibly uh, uh, fulfill that desire and that's okay that's that's what the Torah is telling us you have to overcome your desires so the mere question that someone is attracted even if it was supernatural and even if it was not supernatural supernatural not supernatural <laughs> uh, even if it was very natural and exceedingly so and it's super, you know, it's super nature and it's not nurturing when I do nothing to, to do that the fact that the Torah tells them not to do something in this area should be no different than for the other guy uh, who is attracted who has uh, you know more standard heterosexual attraction actually from a legalistic perspective the fact that the Torah has a law for that that means that people are designed to break that law if yeah oh the, yeah exactly if the, if the Torah says oh, you cannot jump more than a hundred yards uh, that's a law that nobody can right? Right. nobody can jump that high so, so essentially it, it's essentially, essentially it is saying you're saying it, essentially saying it is normal right. They're saying people are designed yeah. <laughs> to do that. That's why they're yeah, saying, saying it, it is, there is such a thing as, as same-sex attraction, and that's exactly why I have to tell you that it's prohibited. Yeah. Okay, Very so, interesting approach. So as a, take the Jewish people as a society. Yes. The Jewish approach to, to homosexuality is, today, in 2015, prohibited by Torah law. From forty thousand years ago, is the same. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No ambiguity in it. Right? It's 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 in, it's immutable to it's to, Jews. To, to Jews. Yes, it would, to, the, the, everything we're talking about today is is is, is for Jews. So it's 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 inexpungible. <laughs> it's there's no way. It's incontrovertible. There's no there's no there's no hesitation about it. They're prohibited, just like a married woman's prohibited, just like uh, you know, uh, all of the Torah is is still valid. But, so, we, but we don't go screaming, you know, brimstone and all that like the Christians do, you know. Kill yeah, they're trying to burn people at the stake. I don't know. I, to me, the question is, yeah, they are. You, know, I think, you know, I, 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 I think that, that the... Um, but we don't try to fix people. I, I don't know. I haven't tried to fix anyone. I know that there, are, there is, I'll be honest with you, there is an organization, there is an organization, I know, based out of New York, that does offer these kind of services. Fixing whatever. Jewish. Oh yeah, Jewish. Religious. Yes. Really? Yes. What? Not really. Not religious. Not religious. No, just sexual. Back. Sexuality. Yes, when it's had the chair. And no, 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 no. 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 You guys are breaking it. Turn it to Huh? So the question is: Should someone should someone be vilified? Or just for ghosts? Should someone should someone be pariahified? Um, for 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 being almost I don't like to say for for having homosexual tendencies. Let's keep it uh, out of uh, the area of just linguistically out of conflict. <laughs> they don't mind. Um, what? They don't mind being. I'm just I'm just saying, but there are some people here that don't believe that there's something as being a homosexual. It's just something you acquire, right? So say. I uh, know. I'm, I'm. I'm just a stickler. No, I'm just saying. My homophobic tendency. No, no. Semantics are exactly the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is it being or is it acting or 
Yeah, but let's say someone is what well, we what society would call gay, or we would call here just because we're a stickler for semantics, uh, homo- someone with homosexual tendencies. Should they be vilified in the shul? I don't know. Just, should someone who drives the shul be vilified? But not, no, no, you know? not just vilified. I don't know. Like, like it's when like. They go to these classes, I, I know they we weren't Jewish, but I know I have a friend who's gay, mm-hmm. and he had to go somewhere else after one of the sessions because he did something stupid. After the sessions? Yeah. What, like a... Like anti-gay session, or to be straight session. Oh, goodness. So I guess, you know... It's not sent by a Jew? What do you mean he had to go somewhere else because he did something stupid? I think one of the maybe the positives. Uh, I'm not sure trying to agree with what I'm about to say, but maybe one of the positives about you know the uh, the I guess the society at large kind of acceptance of homosexuality is that it doesn't have to be. It's a sin in the Torah, undeniably, like any other sin. There's a lot of them in the Torah. Uh, like, does someone have to be vilified? Like, to be, you know, are you allowed to let him into the synagogue? Or why not? But like, it's not. You it's know, not we're all sinners, vilified. right? It's like they're trying to make him better. Yeah, well, they're, 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 they're trying. They, right. They're, they're, so you know, they're trying to. They they're trying to to yeah. help him, right? But I'm sure he's on help board, him. right? Whatever, you know. What about in Israel? What about? How is that society? Well, the biggest gay pride was in Israel. That's yes. some of the biggest parades ever. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Oh, really? oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, Tel Aviv is very. Tel Aviv is very. It was last month. Last month they had a huge parade. They have a huge parade every year. Very open to it. But I mean, he's very not Jewish. I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so no Jews, no Jews come together. I don't know. No Jews have their have their laws. Um, the the city. Um, where it was destroyed because they were back. Yeah. Because they were stealing. Or was it because they were stealing? Well, I think they were doing a bunch of things. They were very evil. They were evil, but the sin that caused them to be destroyed was. Not. Yeah, well, it says about the, the, the flood that they were. Uh, that they, well, the flood, there was interbreeding of, it, of all sorts. Yeah, they were sleeping. Ew, animals. Chickens. Yeah, so it's that, just, to me, now, if they say that you can have a dog or your cat, I'm so out of this world. <laughs> I'm done. That line's too far, huh? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, but oh, it does say that, that, that what clinched it was, 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 was that's, it's not something about Stone, Stone and Moore as well. Uh, it, might, it, might, it might be that there was yeah, uh, like just... Robbing or the, yeah, just the final thing. Yeah. It was like stealing or something. Uh, but either way, I think that this is a very good approach to the question. Uh, and that is that, yes, uh, the Torah tells you you cannot have things that you want. You know, we have the laws of Nida, for example, uh, in, in, in Jewish law. Uh, that is uh, when a woman is menstruating, perfectly normal activity. Uh, and there's a prohibition against sleep with a menstruating woman. 
It's very clear with Torah. Yeah, so it's, why aren't the Christians running around with the Bibles and throwing? Because they're not following the Torah. You know, uh, but the, the you know, and what well, if someone sure they do. someone has his wife and he's super attracted to her, and and she's his wife. You know, the Torah says you cannot sleep with her, but but it's really normal. Well, yes, it's normal. Okay, but you know, it's it's normal, but it's prohibited. You know, you'll say, well, maybe that at least you have a. You know, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but what about the neighbor's wife? And you know, like that's that's a very <laughs> she's not menstruating. <laughs> I'm saying it's something that, that will never be permitted. That'll be never be permitted to you, and you have to accept that because the Torah says never permitted, and you have to overcome that. And Torah demands on us to, to you know to over, overcome our challenges. So the fact that someone has a different challenge than someone else doesn't mean that they don't have to overcome the challenges. And I don't think, it, and it's so out there to demand that someone. Uh, that you know that the Torah, or, to, or to even to, to conceptualize the fact that the Torah demands us to do things that are difficult. Yeah, did it say anything about aura sex, group sex, threesomes? Did the Torah say anything about that? Uh, I'm just curious since we had the sex yeah, stuff. Um, yeah, we're all thinking it. He said, um, there's <laughs> <laughs> the lost key. Uh, the lost the key. There you go. Look up the lost key. A fantastic movie. Yeah. Done. Uh, so let's uh, let me just turn off the recording. Like <laughs> 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 like no, like, it's just. You were talking about what? Yeah, you don't want It's just. It's just that I don't want this to be replayed from my website or something like that. And also, like I remember, I remember listening. I remember once listening to. Rabbi like, WallBeatPorn.com. <laughs> What's going on? This has really turned the corner. I remember. <laughs> I remember listening to a to a, a Torah class uh, where where the guy says, "Oh, I'm gonna turn off everyone, turn off your recorders," and then like it turns on like five minutes later, and just being super curious like what actually transpired. Um, so let me just turn this off for a second. Okay, so we are back. It has been uh, how long? <laughs> Fifteen minutes. Uh, let us continue. So um, I think that the uh, the next question that we have to address, probably the last question we should address about the uh, gay marriage thing, about the uh, homosexuality, is what about let's say uh, current legislation? Like, like if we if we let's say accept the idea of a Torah, let's assume we accept the, accept the Torah's idea of of this being bad, must we uh, politically uh, support legislate le- legislation to? Ban gay marriage or have a traditional normal tradition marriage or or, or, or whatnot. Um, so to this, I think is, is probably the easiest answer. I think that if you know if someone, uh, you know if someone, if someone um, says, "Listen, you know, I, I don't believe that our government need to abide by Torah law." Like, I don't, you know, is that is that you know, is anyone make that argument? Does anyone say that? Jews should not be allowed to drive on Shabbat because it's banned by Torah law? Is anyone in support of that? Even the most religious person you know, the most observant person you know, do you know anyone who makes that position? So, you know, so the question is, how much ought we to use our um, religious perspective uh, to, uh, to mold our, uh, I guess, political or legislative approach on the issue? I think that it's, it's a very good argument to say, listen, just like I do not as a Torah observant Jew, uh, a lobby for very restrictive driving rules for Jews on Shabbat, and uh, you know, just like I'm very happy that our law is not governed by other people's religions. I think it's not fair for our country to be governed by our religion, you know. And I don't think that it's the government's role to foist religion and observance upon Jews. 
That's not what it's about. It's not about handcuffing uh, Jews to observe the Torah. It's not, that's not how we work. It's about free will. Like I said, everyone has to choose on their own. You know, you're on your own. Like, no one's going to force you to do that. Even the Sanhedrin wouldn't do it. Like the Sanhedrin saw, like we mentioned earlier, that there was uh, egregious and widespread uh, 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 lack of observance. Uh, then they would shut it down, so to speak, because that's not their job. You know, they're there. They're there to you know to, to you know to be the arbiters if there's a if there's a doubt, and they're there to uh, to adjudicate in the rare event that it happens. You know, with Haley's comet comes uh, every blue moon or whatever comes uh, uh, an episode that's so out there that you know that's so it's so such a big deal that the whole world hears about. Um, so too, I think it's it's a very good argument to say that it's not necessarily uh, our position as Jews to, uh, uh, to believe or to support the political or the secular, you know, the U.S. government's uh, political uh, uh, positions based upon our religious initiatives. I think it's a very good argument. I'm, I'm not trying to say here that I'm politically in favor of gay marriage. I think that the discussion, uh, I think it's a fair argument to make that you needn't be uh, uh, in support or, or in opposition to gay marriage uh, to be in line with what the Torah wants of you. I think that's a very good argument. Um, you know, I, uh, could I, you know, to me, I think that there's an additional argument that even, even not based upon a religious, you know, uh, issues or desires or positions, I think there's a lot of people still in America today that say, listen, you know, we have a definition of marriage. It's been very good, you know, very true for a long time, and that's a man and a woman, and not because of religious interests. That's just that's just what they feel, you know, and that's and that's I think a good position. People ought to have the position. We ought to have arguments. Uh, and I think if someone says, "Listen, I, I have also a Torah perspective on that," and the Torah seems to define marriage as man and woman, and therefore that molds my position. That's also a fair argument. Uh, however, if someone wants to uh, hold or opine that gay marriage should be allowed, I think that they are very much within their rights to do so, and doesn't necessarily con- conflict with them accepting Torah as the word of God. Um, you know, I also think that there should be a position that, listen, it's, it's like we said, it's not the government's role to, uh, to, to be run and have the laws uh, dictated by Torah law. Uh, and it should be what people want. If this is what people want, then that maybe you know that's what people want. That's what that's what the society today in America uh, has moved towards accepting, and that's that's what the role with that necessarily. Uh, so that's that. I think uh, like I said, there's three major issues. Um, just in conclusion here, um, four four points that we wanted to convey. Uh, number one, that it's the position of the Torah is unequivocal. And if, if someone tries to chain, tell you otherwise, they're a charlatan. They're not being genuine. They're being someone who's using their desired outcome uh, to color their approach of, of the material. Like, and, and, and that's rainbow that. color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're using the rainbow colored lenses. That's great. They're using the rainbow colored lenses. That is that is hilarious. Like I remember that one. Um, too, but they're not, they're not, that's not a fair assessment of what the Torah actually says. Um, there are people that do that, and I think it's 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 that's the worst approach possible, because uh, it's trying to avoid the issue when there is really an issue, and trying to pervert what the Torah actually says. Um, and I think, like I said, it's it's arrogant because the 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 the, the, the correct approach, if you don't agree with it, uh, is that you have a little bit of humility. 
and you say, I don't understand it. That's much better than saying, I want to either cut it out or I want to pervert it and say it means something that it does not mean. So that's position of point number one. I think that that has to be a ground, groundwork for the discussion. Is that yes, there is there is an issue here. There is a conflict here, and the conflict is that the Torah makes it very clear that this is prohibited, uh, and society today has uh, moved very very far away, very fast from from that position. You know, it was just 1996 when President Clinton signed DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act. It's a lot has changed. Even Obama, Obama's his name when he was campaigning. They asked him, like, you to doodle it, you know, on camera, what do you define marriage? He yeah, says, I, the narrative is one man and one woman, you know, and he even invoked his Christian uh, uh, religion. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, he hasn't yeah, mentioned that since. My Christian yeah. <laughs> He hasn't mentioned since. But, mean, yeah. you know, that's 2008, and that's, and that's Obama, right? And this is, you know, that's, how much has changed in six years? It's, it's just dramatic. Um, was he, was he a, a crazy, bigoted homophobe then? Maybe, you know. <laughs> Uh, but if you know, if you want to say someone today who doesn't believe in gay marriage uh, and has a has a traditional perspective of marriage is a, is a homophobe, well then Obama was as well, which which no one wants to say that because we we're okay with people having different positions on, on the issue. Uh, but it says it, it accelerated very fast. That society has moved, and the Torah is decidedly against that. And we don't believe that the Torah can change. We don't change the Torah. That's not what our job is. It's not our job. Is and, you know the Torah itself warns us many, many times, do not add, do not subtract from the Torah. This is the final word of God. It's immutable. That itself doesn't change. Uh, and then, you know, the first question we have to ask, well, is it an ethical dilemma? Now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna approach it now from the more, uh, I guess, uh, the more logical way to uh, approach the issue. Now, well, is, is, is it fair to tell someone not to engage in something that they want to engage upon? Well, the Torah does that left, right, and center. Yeah, bacon allegedly tastes really, tastes, tastes really good. I've never had it. I, I actually have zero desire for it. There are some things that I desire that are prohibited. I'll be honest with you. Most of them involve shaving, but... <laughs> I'm not even joking. Uh, you guys think it's funny. Okay. Uh, the Sorry. Torah says that there's certain shavers that you may use and certain shavers you may not use. Um, shavers? Yes, like shavers, like razors. Yeah, yeah. well, you're just supposed to take a straight... Exactly, because you can't use not a, not a straight a straight razor. That's no, why electric the razor electric razor is there's there's well scissors would for sure be fine. It, it separates the hair right, but electric right. razor has a little grill in which the blade is separate from the skin, right. and that's okay. So the razor is not to make contact. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, Torah says that you know. Do we understand it? No. Well, we have the ability to accept that, and oh, you know, do I understand it? No. Well, you know, it's possible that that was a pagan practice at the time. Who knows? Uh, either way, it's in the Torah, and it's enshrined in the Torah it's for eternity. It's in the Torah. Oh, yeah. Very clear. It talks about the Mach 3. Ta'ar lo so sim lab sorry. Mach 3. Ta'as ikan chalot ralech. Yeah, it's a verse in the Torah. It's been in the Torah for, uh, for time immemorial. And to me, like, I, uh, this is an area that I, if I could wave one mitzvah, this would probably be it, you know? <laughs> really? I don't want a it? cheeseburger. To me, a cheeseburger seems so disgusting. Yeah, I, don't I, don't yeah, I don't know. Allegedly, it's, it's fantastic, but it's, I don't know. I've heard that, uh, that um, uh, what, what's the name of that, that, that burger place that's right next to our neighborhood? Smash? Whataburger. Whataburger. I've heard those are fantastic. Never had them. Well, good. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but no, no, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I said the, 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 the razor, that's maybe the one thing that, you know. You'd love to buy a Mach 3 and just oh, yeah. go to town. That's what I say, Virgil. Do you use an electric? 
So that makes our, our approach to willpower even that much greater. Yes, ben. I have a general question. Yes. If instead of us in this room, yes. there were 20 Jews who were gay, would you teach this class any differently? And if so, how? Uh, um, if there were 20 people that were gay, well, I think then it would probably be a much more sensitive issue. And I'm sure everyone here in the room knows someone who's gay, so it's, it's, all, it's always a sensitive issue. I don't know. If maybe, maybe yes. Maybe someone doesn't. But you know, it's 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 very it's ubiquitous now. Um, what do you tell them? I don't know what you tell them. You say, listen, the, you know, I'm 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 not envious of the challenge that the Almighty gave you guys. Um, it's 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 a challenge that is probably not easy to overcome, uh, and it's it's a challenge that if you were given it, it means clearly that you have that the Almighty believes that you have the capacity to overcome it, and that's that's remarkable, you know and we don't we don't choose our challenges, um, and you know that we cannot just tailor what our what what exactly is the collection of, of challenges they might going to give us. But we do know for sure they might just going to give us challenges, and and, and just you know I, that that's for sure an element of, of, of the you know what you have to you have to convey is that listen it's, it's not going to be easy, but you could do it. The Torah says that you could, you, you could do it. it may not be overnight but you could overcome you could overcome and you know you could, you could still have a very productive um, you know huh? oh since crouching at everyone's door that's right but you can't overcome it he said that's right that's right so um, that's I th- I, you know I, I wouldn't sign up to be the first in line to offer the class probably because <laughs> <laughs> I think the likelihood of it, of it actually uh, being like a discussion we have today that's more like a, a theoretical discussion. What about, um, what about homosexual rabbis? Are, is there, are there any homosexuals who want to become rabbis? Because yes, they are. Sure. I'm, sure, I'm sure they so, are. So, how are they managed? I mean, how well, the question is, are they, are they overtly homosexual? That that might be, uh, you know, uh, someone of, if they're trying to teach the Torah and they, uh, in, in, you know, if they're married to another man or something like that, that would seem to be a little bit of a contradiction in a very... Uh, overt manner, uh, but you know, if someone is a homosexual but doesn't act upon it, then they're a huge tzaddik. They're very righteous. Mm-hmm. So being is labeled, like the idea of labeling someone as being evil because they're homosexual, that you know, well, labeling someone homosexual means that they have a, a challenge that that most people don't have, uh, and if they overcome it, then all the power to them. Just like if someone overcomes uh, any great challenge, all the power to them. Joseph, you know, Joseph was that stud that we referenced earlier. We know that Joseph, uh, the Talmud gives us the details about how he was tested, you know, and he even had a religious uh, perspective to it because uh, the woman who tried to seduce him, she was actually going to be his mother-in-law. Well, not, not so well-known fact. But she and he had insight that he was destined to have descendants yeah. from her. You know, and she, you know, and she coveted him, and he coveted her, and, and everything was ripe for sin. And Joseph is one of the great heroes. Joseph is called Yosef Atzadik. Always, anytime I mention Joseph, Joseph the righteous. Why? Because of this encounter that he had, where sin was just presented on a silver platter, and he overcame. That's that's what renders someone a tzaddik when someone has a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous urge to sin, and they overcome it. Um, but uh, for all eternity, Joseph is called Joseph Hatzadik, 
uh, Joseph the Righteous, and for all eternity, his episode is read every single every single year. It's read in, in hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of different synagogues, where we taught we 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 give testament to his you know to his great bravery and his great you know and his might in overcoming his his his, his, his instinct. So I, I think that that's that's probably a much uh, it's a much better way to present it. It's not just you know, God screwed you over by giving you dealing you the worst set the worst two cards in the deck. Yeah, but I, oh, there's a positive to it that you know you were given an opportunity to do something really transformational. Like you change the world when you overcome uh, overcome a tremendous urge to sin. And you know, I don't think it's limited to to, homo, to people who have homosexual tendencies. Even people who have regular sexual tendencies. It could be somewhat uh, uh, difficult to conquer your your Yetzirah. This 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 this, this, this like we mentioned a few times ago, the idea of 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 of, of a bridge of a circumcision at the uh, at the center point of someone's um, uh, sexual uh, desires, it's not, it's by design because that is where you form a bond with God, because that is where you render yourself into a tzaddik or not, because that is the greatest challenge. Thus, it's the epicenter of your free will choices. Because yes, th- this is what life's about. Life is about the, f- the fact that the Almighty gives you challenges that are very, 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 very hard. And it's not easy to overcome it, regardless of your sexual orientation. And the Torah has faith in us, and the Almighty has faith in us, that we can do it. And when we do it, and we're successful, and we overcome, and we make something great of ourselves, there's no greater pleasure uh, than that. Because that's, that's something that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's lasting, and that's, that's something that's eternal. And that's something that we will be enshrined as well as, as a tzaddik if we're able to achieve that's probably what I would say, but I say I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign it. <laughs> um, uh, and once again, to 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 finish, I said uh, legislatively, I think there's a very very good argument to be made that there's nothing wrong with being in favor of gay marriage. Uh, I think that if someone is in favor of marriage, they could do that without any concern of this being in conflict with the Torah. Uh, and the last point, which is uh, several points, but the idea of of, of it being. Uh, capital punishment, we have to understand what that it means. A lot of things are capital punishments. It doesn't mean that everyone is getting executed left, right, and center. What it means, number one, is that capital punishment is exceedingly rare. Right? Why? Because it's designed to not happen, with the exception of murder. Murder is the, is the one thing that when someone's a murderer, we put them down, we put them away. We either put them away, we actually put them down, in, you know. Uh, but it's, uh, and additionally, it's not designed for uh, a society where uh, we are. Uh, where where sin is 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 prevalent, thus if a society has reached the point where th- the courts are being too active, well they'll shut it down because that's not what it's designed to do. Uh, and but that notwithstanding, this sin and other sexual sins are clearly marked with the severity, uh, the 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 um, gravity of being a sin. That does warrant capital punishment. So, like I said, all sexual sin, almost all sexual sins, are under that category, uh, because probably that's the area where God demands the most of us. Uh, and um, does it mean that we're going to get executed? No, uh, but it does mean that we have to take this very seriously, and that this is the area in our lives where we're probably going to have the most challenges, uh, and th- therefore it's the most opportunity for greatness as well, because those two are always balanced. The greater the challenge, the greater the the degree of merit and the degree of reward and the degree of greatness 
is derived from overcoming that challenge. Uh, okay, now now for abortion. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is there any 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 other questions? Before, uh, thank yes. you, we got like, the no problem. Good to see you, so, uh, uh, any other questions here? I would like to congratulate the rabbi for handling these conversations. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a very well handled thing. Yeah, with arguments, with rational arguments. Yes, thank you. Job. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. And, you know, questions for all the spectrum. Yeah. Um, any other questions? Go ahead. The, I haven't heard anything mentioned about the creation story. Yes. What that? Uh, you're saying that that it seems to make the argument that it's more nature. It's more. Na- it's more na- nurture. Right. I mean, Well, even if even if even if you say that it that it's someone is 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 not conditioned, someone's designed to be homosexual, the numbers are exceptionally small. You know, it's like 1.5 percent of women uh, are are quote unquote lesbians, and like three percent of men are are are, are gays. It's enormous. It's very, very small. Um, obviously, it's a still a huge number. You're still dealing with millions of people in America, but it's still not that. You know, uh, like, like I said, I, I, the true answer is I don't know. Because I don't know. I don't think the Torah anywhere says clearly one way or the other. We have no way to know for sure. Um, you guys mentioned a study that seems to indicate that it's, it's nature. I think there's probably evidence on both sides, and probably the truth is is that it's somewhere in the middle. Which, uh, in conclusion, I think. If it is, I don't know what the success rates of these organizations that try to make help people you turn, you turn. Well, turn is a bad term, but maybe deviate, which also is a bad term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to maneuver, to correct, to pivot, manipulate, pivot, pivot. No, but not to fix, because then it means that it's a switch. It means that they were for sure gay. But let's assume that it, there is a sliding scale, and then it's to pivot someone closer to. Uh, something which is either for religious reasons or for, uh, yeah. for, 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 for legislative reasons, for laws, uh, uh, preferable. But I don't know what the success rates are. I, I have no idea. I, I, there obviously is some success rate. I always want to do it. Uh, but that does demonstrate, I think, that, that there is – that it's a spectrum. And it's hard to measure the success rate. And I, I, I had, I had friend, I had a friend who confided within me that uh, when I was in Shiva in Israel that he had like his biggest challenge is same-sex attraction. Uh, but it seemed like he, like he knew it was a challenge, and he was still in yeshiva, and he was still studying Torah, and and he knew it was a challenge. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he cannot be happy in his life and cannot ever be attracted to, uh, to you know, to to a woman, uh, because it's some some he's somewhere along the spectrum. He's probably closer to to you know to, to having maybe even has more same attraction. Does that mean that he cannot entirely have any attraction to a woman? That's the, 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 that's a stretch as well. So I, I think that the correct answer is, is that, that it's some some sort of, of spectrum, uh, and therefore there's more malleability, that, and that's probably why there is some degree of success. But if someone says, "Hey, you know, I'd, I'd be attracted to this woman," just says straight up like that, it's probably going to turn someone off. So and I also think uh, additional another point here that if someone is conditioned to believe that they are designed to be gay, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Mm-hmm. It's probably harder to convince them that they can change. So I think if the rates of success in those kind of organizations are dropping, it's probably likely because the society has moved towards it being an inevitability. Thus, if, if, if you think I'm gay, like if, you, if you have that belief, 
it's very hard to say that you're not what you are. But I think also that's if you say, well, I have gay tendencies, I have some same sex attraction. Then you can say, well, okay, it's somewhere along scale, then it can pivot along. Yeah, but Marlene had a point to what the mention. Sorry. Question was: Anywhere throughout history or in in the Torah or anything, does animals have the tendency to be gay? Like, are they just gay? And if so, doesn't God ask us to watch the animals? Yes. So we do find a theme that, especially highlighted in the in the flood story, Noah story. Uh, that the animals were influenced by the human behavior, like the human perversion, right? That bled into the animal population. So animals were into breeding, like humans were breeding with all kinds of things. Actually, the sons of Noah, right? The yeah, well, he, he had a he had a son who yeah exactly he had a son who uh, was, <laughs> was uh, committed this, yes. these services. I don't know the services, but he, he remember the flood did well, uh, but that was after the flood, so I mean, yeah, it didn't do well enough. <laughs> Uh, but yes, that, that is an incredibly, a very interesting idea, the idea of our behavior as humans influences not just the people and kind of the spiritual realities, but even, it like gets in the air, so to speak, that the animals can be influenced. Like, you know, that, that the only animals that survived the flood were animals that did not interbreed. So we know that Noah brought seven of this and seven of that, and seven of the kosher animals and two of the non-kosher animals uh, into, his, into his ark. Well, the only ones that he brought were the ones that didn't interbreed. Plus, it's possible that there's lots and lots of animals that are extinct because the dinosaurs were not breeding. That's the answer. Yeah, that's why. But don't don't spoil the movie for me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, your point. <laughs> well, I forgot. But you like to see <laughs> story. Okay. I forgot, but I come to make another one. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I forgot. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I really did. Okay, so uh, so yeah, and I'm very happy we did this. Uh, a very admirable, I think, it was on good. everyone's part. Uh, that we good. we got you oh, know it's, 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 it's not a, no yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that even so you're saying the most challenging thing is if we say that you're born your DNA to be gay now that's what I'm saying it, well, the last one I made is it's going to make it significantly harder to convince someone that they can be changed but but people I mean sociologists know these very problems very I mean they've been discussing this for many decades oh, centuries probably yeah that see. Could be wired to do that, so is he responsible or not for his actions? Well, are we? They still, are, they still put him in prison, right? Right, but but because because but we even have someone, so so because, even so, some of the kleptomaniac, right? They because, have, they have because, a desire. To, I know it's kleptomaniac, right? Because we accept that even though you're wired, you can overcome your natural tendencies, and, and, and having the DNA doesn't mean. New York State Penitentiary, um, this boy, <laughs> but he was he's been a thief for his whole life. But it's also important that his dad beat him up, and his mom died when he was a kid. Uh, you know, when he had a troubled childhood, maybe that contributed to his kleptomania, don't you think? Right, but I'm, what I'm saying is the DNA, if, if, if we say we are hardwired, yeah. it's the DNA. That's an, it's not deterministic. But yeah, yeah, we but can exactly, steal over exactly, exactly. And, and but another point, man, even if you are, that's what you are, if you're a kleptomania, it's possible that that's an amalgamation of maybe a slight uh, tendency towards that from birth, but don't we all have a tendency to try to take someone, something that's belong to us, right? We have a tendency. I don't say that we all do. Well, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, well, yes. Your tendency, at least. You've never taken a pen? Kids yeah, take, even tell you before they take stuff. No, you have you'll have a desire. You, might, you won't act on it because you know. Like, you know, but... Somebody's the, job or somebody. Or my kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically, 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 what I think, whatever your evil inclination is, whatever your bad habits are, once you start studying Torah, all that becomes 
you pass. Well, that helps you for, for, for sure. Pass, sure, for sure, the Torah is going to help you. And, 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 you, and you seek to be a zidik, you know, and you know to be a, a righteous man, you know. That's what I believe. You know, that anything can be cured with the Torah. Absolutely. Or, no, it's not deterministic. You don't have to act upon it. Maybe you won't be cured. Maybe you'll always desire. Maybe the last day of your life you'll still, you know, what do you think? Old people, we're all young here, right? But like, do old people also have desires, like uh, sexual urges? It seems like yes. You know? Uh, You never cure it because until you're dead, you still have the eights are up. And therefore, it's not curing. It's 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 harnessing. It's limiting. It's 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 battling. It's it's getting up after after a failure. It, and it's it's being relentless. Once it, you start studying Torah, it makes it easier. That's true. It makes it easier. And it shines a new light on things you didn't know before, and you always and you wonder why did I do that? Okay, never again. Okay, that's that's because what you feed gets stronger, and you feed yes. the spirit becomes stronger, and therefore you can. It tips the scale a little bit. Yeah, like, like like you were saying, you never took a pin. There's like, more reasons work. to that. Like you, Why know, you were saying, you never took that. a pin, like from work or or, or or something. You know, when you start studying Torah, you you start knowing you you don't work for your employer. What physically, you do. You know, physically, your employer gives you your paycheck, but if you know, it comes everything comes from from Hashem. You know, mm-hmm. you know, so you're working for Hashem. So then, once you see the pin, you say, you know what? I think I like that pin. You know, you're not stealing from your co You're not stealing from your job. You're stealing from the ship. You know, it's stealing. That's right, but at, when I said to Brad that everyone has a tendency to steal, I don't mean actually it was actually going to steal, but the idea on a slight, very slight level, not, not on a level high enough to make us act upon it, we have a desire for things that are not ours. But that, if you combine that with some sort of, if you maybe have a heightened desire for other people's things, plus you had a chaotic childhood and a dad would beat you up, and he didn't give you enough and you had to steal and you got a thrill out of it, well, maybe those things kind of combine to make you really want to steal. Not necessarily that you were wired to just sin and you had no way to... You, know, you had no other choice but to sin, uh, but it's just that now you, you're, you're, you're in a hole, so to speak, because you kind of... It's very hard for you. And you may be... It'll be a while before you're able to overcome that. Okay. So once again, everyone, thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun. Um, Thank you, Rabbi. And uh, we, you survived. we survived. We uh, survived. You survived. I survived. Yeah. <laughs> you survived. You didn't get beat. Uh, 